My father was a determined man who worked his hands to the bone nearly every single day of his 72-year life. Even after we basically forced him to retire and relax for once, he was always busying himself on some project around the house. Mom used to joke that she swears he was born wearing a hard hat, and growing up, we believed it. I didn't see a lot of him during childhood, as most of his time was devoted to his career. He was a rare earth elements miner, and often took part in risky but lucrative ventures all around the world. He would sometimes be gone for months at a time, but when he did return, he had no shortage of stories to tell. His work took him everywhere, from the smoldering deserts of the Sahara to the windswept tundra of Siberia. This was back in the 60s, when many countries around the world were first discovering rich deposits of valuable minerals due to advancements in technology. My father was already a veteran of the trade, having worked in mines since he was 14 and grinding his way up to the ladder. He eventually became a roaming prospector, regularly offering his services to countries that were looking for experts to help them develop a mining infrastructure. He told stories of him traveling halfway around the world into places he never imagined himself going. He once was caught in between rival warlords in Sierra Leone back when the diamond industry began to boom. Another time, he was imprisoned in Moscow for two months after being accused by the former Soviet Union of being an American spy. He caught malaria in Argentina, was almost killed by a landslide in China, and stared death in the face on a few other occasions. Mom hated his stories and how dangerous he made them out to be, but Dad just laughed it off. It's hard to know how many of those incidents were flavored by a bit of hyperbole, as my father clearly had passion for storytelling. Regardless, the man undoubtedly led quite a colorful life, but there's one story he told me which I now know he didn't exaggerate on. The story of why he decided to leave the mining industry. Forever. Did I ever tell you the real reason I quit? He asked me that one day as he and I sipped some beers on his back porch. My kids were out playing in the backyard, with two of us serving as impromptu babysitters while my wife and mother were out on a shopping date. I took a swig of my Boston lager and thought for a moment. Wasn't it because you tried fighting a camel or something? I asked, referencing another one of his infamous stories, where my father got mule kicked in the gut by a rather unhappy camel in Bahrain. Dad broke into a raspy laugh and shook his head as the smoke from his cigarette wafted in the air. Hey, that camel started it, and boy was it pissed off that day. I would have beat its ass, but I just don't believe in abusing animals like that. He laughed again, taking another drag off his smoldering Marlboro Red. No, this was a... This was a very different situation in, in a very different place. I asked him where this mysterious story he was referencing had happened, but he shook his head. Can't tell you that. His expression had suddenly gone stoic, and it made me curious. Why? Camel jumble your memory? I joked. Dad smiled, but then averted his gaze to the ground as if contemplating whether or not he actually wanted to say any more. Son, let's just say some places are better off forgotten. That was all it took to get me interested. Whenever Dad told one of his many stories, there was a certain alluring gleam in his eye. He definitely enjoyed the attention and wide-eyed gazes of wonder he got as he told these stories. 
But this time, he looked quite different. It's like what he was pondering was something that deeply troubled him. He started off telling me that towards the end of his career, he had an old friend reach out with an incredibly lucrative offer. Dad used air quotes around the words as he said them, as though he was skeptical of the claim from the beginning. This friend then went on to explain that a certain place discovered a deposit of copper and needed assistance getting a proper excavation site up and running. Dad spent some time corresponding with his friend and learning the details of the operation. He said he honestly wasn't very interested in taking on the project, but after his friend revealed the hefty sum of money being offered, he just couldn't turn it down. So, Dad accepts, and a few weeks later, he's on a plane bound for his new office in this undisclosed location. He said the journey to get there alone took him over 24 hours to reach the spot, so wherever it was, it had to be outside of North America. Dad was very careful when he told this story to not give me any clues about where this place was, and I didn't really understand why at first. So Dad finally steps off the plane, and his friend, who I'll just call Carl from here on out, picks him up. The two of them discuss details of the operation, while they drive another three hours to reach the spot. Partway through the trip, and Carl drops a bit of a nuke on the conversation. So, we've encountered a bit of an issue. Dad stared at him, and he was suddenly dreading where the conversation was headed. What do you mean? Dad replied, causing Carl to almost immediately backtrack. Well, okay, not even necessarily an issue, more like a, a curiosity, really. Carl then explained to him that as he and his team were inspecting the site, they found some things they didn't expect. The location they were headed was a small cavern, nestled near the base of a mountain in a small gully. It was a spot that was known to locals for generations, but none of them really paid it much attention until someone ventured a little deeper inside. Apparently, the cavern stretched a lot further than anyone expected, and not far inside, they made an interesting discovery. One of the prospectors found a large, circular stone slab. It was just lying there on the ground and at the end of one of the corridors, but the shape made it clear that someone had cut it intentionally. This meant that there was a possible conflict of interest brewing. If it was discovered that the site contained evidence of ancient remains, then it would be turned over to archaeologists instead. The district that the site was located had a mandate to always prioritize archaeological ventures over industrial ones. If evidence of a human presence was proved conclusive, then my father and the team would have no choice but to abandon it and lose out on their payday. It may have been immoral, but Carl wanted to begin their operation before archaeologists had a chance to interrupt things. My dad said he was a bit conflicted on what to do, but figured the least he could do was see the site for himself before making a decision. So, they finally get there and Carl introduces my dad to the team. They waste a little time in formalities and quickly decide to venture into the cavern system. Dad says the entrance was tight, with a twisting path hidden behind thick foliage. The air was humid and incredibly hot, causing him to sweat like a pig in a bacon factory, as he put it. Once inside, he had to squeeze around three bends before the cavern began to open up. Carl led my dad deeper through the cave, showing several promising areas where they planned to begin excavating. The walls were lined with thick green veins, indicating the likely presence of copper-rich ores like malachite. 
That initial open chamber was designated as Alpha, and it branched off in two separate directions from there, one of which contained the circular stone slab. He led my father right to it, and paused as my father saw it for himself. My dad described it to me as a massive stone slab cut in a near-perfect circle. He said it had to have been at least ten feet wide. He said it looked like it was built to block something, and compared it to manhole covers on roads. He felt like there was something underneath. He said he got a really weird feeling when they were there, but he couldn't really describe it beyond that. So he and Carl hold a meeting with the rest of the team, and find an area to begin their dig. Days go by, and soon enough, they got the operation up and running with the logistics being formulated behind the scenes. The teams begin mining, leaving the room with the slab alone and focusing on the other portions of the cavern. In just a few weeks, they had a fully-fledged operation running 24 hours a day. Part of the team focused on expanding the second path from the Alpha Chamber, while the others were dedicated to extracting exposed veins. Initial returns were very promising, and they knew they were onto something. So the process continued, growing larger and more refined with each passing day. By all accounts, things were going according to plan, but, of course, I wouldn't be here writing this story if they stayed that way. It's almost like things were going too well for their own damn good. My dad laughed as he said that, and doused his cigarette on his boot. He then sighed, and his face took on a graven expression. Dad was always making jokes, and to see him suddenly so stoic sent a small shiver down my spine. I still don't know how to explain what happened down there. Dad went on to explain that he was in the mine working one day, helping a few other men who were working on expanding the tunnels. They were hacking away with pickaxes and stopped for a breather after a few minutes of work. One of the men had made a joke, and my dad laughed, but he was suddenly shushed by the other. The man who silenced him held up his hand to his lips, and his eyes traced around the room. Dad says he was about to ask the man what was wrong when he heard it for himself. He said he heard a dull droning noise echoing through the corridor. Dad said it sounded almost like someone humming a tune. It was early in the morning at the time and my dad and the two men were supposed to be the only ones in the mine at the time. The humming continued for about a minute before just fading away. My dad left the tunnel and checked the rest of the cavern, but found no one else inside. He didn't really know how to explain it, but said he didn't honestly pay it much mind. He said he doesn't even know if that event is relevant, but he mentioned it nonetheless as something odd. So a few days go by and things once again are operating as normal. Dad was outside having a meeting with Carl and the shift leaders, when suddenly, frantic screams emerged from the cavern. The group turned and waited a few seconds as a man appeared from inside the cavern. His eyes were frantic and hands trembling. Dad says there was an absolute terror in his eyes, like he had never seen before. The man was yelling and rambling away as he dashed away from the cavern. One of the shift leaders asked him to slow down, but the man refused. Dad said the guy literally ran back to camp, grabbed his lunch, and took off into the surrounding jungles, still muttering and whimpering. That man never came back, and no one could figure out what exactly happened to him. He was alone in a semi-isolated section of the mine at the time. Workers that were inside at the time said they just heard him scream and run out. They searched the area he was working, but found nothing out of the ordinary. 
One of the other workers later translated what the man was screaming when he ran out. Apparently, he said something to the effect of, This place is evil. We should not have come. The crew was on edge after that, but Carl and the other foreman managed to calm the crew. My dad says he didn't really say anything, but he wishes he did. He said he wished he would have listened to that man and gotten everyone out of there while he still had the chance. Dad sighed and sat back after he said that, as clearly the memories weighed heavy on his mind. I haven't seen him look so crestfallen since his brother, my uncle, passed away. He said the crew just went back to work, but before the day was even out, one of the other workers made a curious discovery. Remember that massive circular stone slab laying in the tunnel off the alpha chamber? Someone moved it. All of the crew swore they didn't touch it. Dad said the massive slab had to have weighed near a ton at least, and he doesn't think they could have moved it even if they wanted to. Underneath the slab was a hole. A very deep hole that stretched down further than they could see. Someone dropped a pebble down the hole, but no one heard it hit the bottom. They wanted to drop a flare down, but my dad refused to let them as he was worried about the possibility of igniting flammable gas simmering deep below. He said he felt a wave of dread roll over him as he stared down into that black pit and described it as feeling like something was staring back up at him. Despite the worrying circumstances, the men continued operations. Things went smoothly after that, but no one ever went near the hole. Dad said that a few times he could have sworn he heard whispers in his ear. The rest of the men seemed on edge as well, with the normal jovial conversations all but suddenly absent. Everyone just wanted to get through the day. Dad said over the next few days he felt like something was very wrong. He said a few times he could have sworn he heard whispers in the mine. They were always faint and he couldn't be sure he actually heard them. He also said he'd seen weird shadows that seemed to move in unnatural ways. They were always distant, always just out of sight to where he could never get a clear look at them. He said he had to have at least had five instances of thinking he saw something. He also had trouble sleeping, as horrific nightmares plagued him each night. He said he can never remember the details of them, but he vividly remembers waking in a frantic sweat. At the time, he just chalked it all up to stress and a lack of proper sleep. He said miners are known to have their minds play tricks on them, a condition they knew is minor fever. Being underground in the dark for a while can do strange things to a man's mind. His expression was deadly serious when he said that, and I knew he wasn't exaggerating. He emphasized that that was probably his single greatest regret. Everything in his mind was screaming for him to leave, but fear of ridicule and loss of income compelled him onward. It's not an excuse, I know. It's just a fool's attempt to rationalize the impossible. Then, about a week after the slab was moved, it happened. My dad was in the cavern with Carl and a few others, when there was a sudden loud crack. The men fell silent and waited a moment as the sounds of faint rumbling began. They knew all too well what that meant, and without wasting another second, they all scrambled for the exit. But it was too late. My dad says the next thing he remembers was the deafening crashing of boulders, dirt, and debris as the cavern collapsed around them. Dad says the next thing he remembers was waking in a confused haze, swallowed by darkness with hard rock all around him. 
His legs were pinned down by rubble, leaving only his upper torso exposed to a small nook in the rubble. He tried pulling, but he couldn't get his legs to budge. I can't honestly imagine a more terrifying prospect than being buried alive like that. Dad said he tried not to panic, but could only do so much. He managed to retrieve the Zippo from his pocket, but as the flame ignited, he almost wished he'd remained in the darkness. The crimson hue bathed the small area, and Dad said the enclosed space was barely larger than a cupboard. The light also revealed a much more gruesome scene. To his right, only a few feet away, he spotted a gloved hand poking out from the rubble. He followed the arm with his eyes and saw what used to be a man's head, crushed beneath a boulder and a spattering of blood and skull contents. Dad gagged and looked away as the sickening scene caused him to vomit. He said he's never been able to get that image out of his head. The man was obviously dead, but all around him, Dad began to hear the faint moans and pain-stricken cries of others who had not yet succumbed. He couldn't see any of them, but one voice seemed nearby. A man was calling for help, and Dad recognized the voice as belonging to a local worker he referred to as Rico. Dad called back, and Rico responded. Mr. Johnson? Is that you? Yeah, it's me, Rico. Are you okay? Not really, Mr. Johnson. My arm is stuck. I, I think it's broken. It hurts real bad. I, I can't feel my legs either. Dad knew that was a bad sign, and he tried his best to keep Rico and himself calm. How, how much room do you have in there? Can you see a way out? No, sir. It's all dark. I, I can't see anything. I can move my left arm around so I have a bit of space, but I, I'm pinned down. Dad cursed under his breath, and again tried reassuring the man to remain calm. He knew things weren't looking good for either of them, but he couldn't reach the man, let alone free himself. Rico and my father continued talking for hours, and after some time, my dad said he heard the sounds of hacking in the distance. As a rescue team began to try and liberate the trapped miners, Rico told my dad about his family, his wife, and his two sons. Rico feared he was never going to see them again. My dad tried to keep his spirits up, but admitted to me that he shared the same fears. The two of them could do nothing but wait and pray that the rescue would arrive before the Reaper did. Kira was right. Rico said the word suddenly, referring to the same miner that my dad previously mentioned who had seemingly went crazy and fled the site a few days earlier. What do you mean? My dad asked. Rico panted hard and replied, This place... It's evil. Dad didn't know how to respond to that. Obviously, the cave-in was a cruel act by Mother Nature or perhaps one triggered by human error, but Rico seemed to think it was more than that. We shouldn't have come here, Mr. Johnson. We woke it up. Dad then thought the man had started suffering from delusions brought on by his injuries. But Rico was adamant. I heard the voices. I saw it. It warned me to go. I should have listened. Dad thought the man was losing his sanity and continued to try and reassure him. It didn't seem to do much, and not long after, Rico stopped responding altogether. 
Dad said he could hear him whispering desperate prayers and weeping quietly. He didn't know at the time how long they had been there, but the situation began to wear heavily on my father as well. His stomach growled from hunger, his lips were dry and head throbbing from dehydration. His legs had long since gone numb, and the situation seemed hopeless. He began to wonder whether they ever see the light of day again. Rico had continued praying, but in between his whispers, my dad said he began to hear something much more worrying. He said it sounded like laughter, like the laughter of someone who was slightly amused by a decent joke. Sometimes it seemed like it was coming from Rico, but other times it did not. He heard it from up ahead, back behind, and even down below him. Rico suddenly stopped his prayer sometime later, and Dad said he didn't even notice at first, until Rico spoke again. It's in here. Dad tried getting Rico to respond, but he seemed to just ignore his calls. Rico then began to hyperventilate, and suddenly he screamed. Dad says he's never heard a more gut-wrenching scream of terror in all his life. He tried calming Rico down with words, but Rico was far beyond that. He kept screaming for maybe 30 seconds until his voice went hoarse. Then, as suddenly as it had started, Rico's screaming stopped. Dad doesn't think that Rico stopped screaming of his own volition, though. Dad was on the brink of complete panic by this point and said he could only barely contain his own mind. He tried to remain calm and listen, but he couldn't hear anything else. Things had suddenly gone eerily silent, and Rico never spoke another word. Sometime later, Dad heard something else. He said there was a rustling behind him like the pitter-patter of someone carelessly kicking dirt. He called out, but no one answered. He felt that someone was there, but he couldn't see them. He heard the sounds of pebbles skittering about and rocks creaking, but no more voices. Dad heard the rescuers continuing to hack away in the distance, and at a certain point, he said the sounds became almost melodic and lulled him into a sleep. In reality, it was probably his weakened state that caused him to lose consciousness. He said that the nightmares returned to him, and when he finally woke up, all he saw was a searing light. He thought he was dead and had entered the gates of heaven, until his vision refocused around him. Slowly, the blurred images of screens and rhythmic beeping of monitors became clearer. Several figures rushed in as he stirred, urging him to be still. The figures then appeared to physically restrain him, causing my dad to panic and thrash about. He only stopped once he recognized the voice of Carl. Rob, Rob, it's me, Carl. Easy. You're okay. Dad ceased his struggle as the face of his old colleague emerged. He took a deep breath and tried remembering what had happened. Carl then told him everything, about the cave-in and the ensuing rescue attempts to free the men. Dad had been trapped underground for almost six days. He was starving, dehydrated, malnourished, and had two broken legs when they finally dragged him out of that hellhole. But he was one of the lucky ones. Carl told my dad that he had been unconscious for two days, and doctors weren't sure if he'd ever wake up. My dad's memory of all this was fuzzy, and he had clung to the hope that what he saw was just figments of some fever dream. But Carl seemed to confer the contrary. 
He then explained that the rescue team had pretty much cleared the whole cave-in by that point, but my dad was the last one they found. How many died? My dad asked. Carl sighed and sat in the chair beside his bed as he shooed the nurses out of the room. Seven unaccounted for. That response confused my dad. What do you mean, unaccounted for? There was someone right beside me. I, I heard Rico. Dad trailed off, and Carl just shook his head. Not when we found you. What? Rob. They didn't find any bodies. Dad didn't know how to respond to that. And it seemed Carl didn't either. It doesn't make any sense. The rescue team has cleared all the debris out by now, but there's no remains. There's no trace of any of them. Silence then fell between them both, as both seemed at a loss for how that could be true. Maybe they found another way out. Maybe, maybe they're still down there. My dad argued, but Carl didn't seem convinced of that logic. My dad said the truth be told he wasn't either, but refused to give up on them. And Carl cleared his throat. Rob, they, uh... <clears throat> they searched the entire system. There's nothing. Carl lowered his head. And my dad was still reeling. How is that possible? Dad asked, and Carl just shook his head. I don't know. But you remember that big-ass slab, right? Yeah. Carl crossed his arms and scoffed. As of what if he was about to say seemed unbelievable. Well, it's, um, it's back on top of that hole now. Just like it was when we found it. Dad just looked at Carl, telling me he was at a complete loss for words, and Carl scoffed again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand it either. Maybe the cave-in moved it, although I don't see how that would happen, or maybe something else did. Dad said Shiver shot down his spine when Carl said that. He remembered Rico's words, but said when he heard them, he thought they were just the ramblings of a fatally wounded and starving man. He was forced to confront the thoughts again in that moment, but even as he was retelling his tragic story to me, some 19 years after it happened, he still doesn't know what to think. Carl then sighed and stood from the chair. He gave my father a look and put his hands in his pockets. We may never know what really happened down there, but I think enough damage has been done. I'm shutting down the project. It's the only thing to do. Get some rest, and give me a call when you're ready to go home so I can get you on a flight. Carl began to walk away, but my father posed him one final question. Did they find out what caused the collapse? Carl looked back to him and sighed once more. Nothing conclusive yet, seismic readings in the nearby town came back normal. We could have struck a root of the system, but I doubt it. Carl then lowered his head. I think there are just some places that are better off left alone. Carl then left, and Dad was alone with his thoughts once more. He signed himself out of the hospital later that day, and 24 hours later, he was on a plane back home. I remember this time well, I was maybe 16 when Dad came back home in a wheelchair. Mom was furious and distraught at the sight of her temporarily crippled husband. We were all concerned for our father, but he assured our worries. He told us he was in a car accident, 
and apologized for worrying everyone, but he would make a full recovery. He did just that after a few months of physical therapy, but clearly the mental wounds never really healed. I'm sorry I lied to you, son, but I just didn't want to worry you. I didn't even know how to explain it all. Your mother would have probably broken my arms too if she knew what happened. He laughed as he said it, but I didn't. I was still trying to absorb the crazy story he had just told me. You really went through all that, didn't you? I asked, demanding his confirmation one way or another. He was well known for his wild stories after all, and part of me accepted him to admit he was pulling my leg. He just sighed and looked at me dead in the eye. It's the truth, son. It's the reason why I left the industry forever. The way I see it, God gave me a second chance that day and showed me that there are things in this world we're not meant to find. Dark things that we have no power over. I talked with him for a while after that, asking more questions about the story which I've pretty much described already. I tried to get him to reveal where this story of his took place, but he refused. Throughout every word he spoke, he maintained that his story was the truth. I eventually asked him permission to share his story with others, and he agreed. And so here I am, sharing his story for all who would read it. My father would be pleased to know that another one of his tales had entertained people, even so long after he is gone. I wish everyone could have known him like I did, and see the desperate fervor in his eyes as he told me this story. Regardless of whether you believe his story, we're just entertained by some words on a screen for a couple of minutes. I think we can all agree that some things are just better off left buried. There are things that we as a species are just not prepared to encounter. And God help us all if anyone ever digs them up again. <laughs>